0: today tonight today i can't talk i don't know why i am in an audio format because that's clearly what i'm not good at
1: this year i try to think too much this year i try to stand up for myself this year Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of Major Revisions. I'm Grace Wilkinson, and celebrating this milestone with me is Jeff Atkins and John Walter. How y'all doing? Woo! I'm just gonna,
0: like, dub in a lot of, like, reggaeton, like, klaxons, just like... You know, like, annoying sound that's in all the dance hall music? That's what's going in. Perfect. Give us some space. Right there. Okay. So...
1: Tonight we're going to be talking about our favorite papers of the year, our science and academic lowlights from 2018, as well as some of our podcast resolutions for 2019. Um, But first, in honor of this momentous occasion, both our 50th episode and our third annual year in review, we're going to be bringing back America's Favorite Game. Five questions.
0: Guys, I have five really good questions for you. All right. America's Favorite Game, guys. So this one's actually come up a lot with people that I've talked to about recently. So I want to pose it to you. Um, Question one. If you have to pick an animal for your lab mascot, what are you going with and why?
1: And it has to be an animal.
0: Yes, animal loosely defined. Uh, uh.
2: So you can pick a Chiavris.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm just going to play out of my strengths and say Chabris or maybe a Daphnia. Daphnia.
0: Okay, okay.
1: But like the Daphnia that I've adapted to live in the really hyper-eutrophic lakes. The slow Daphnia. <laughs> it's
0: like a real slow. Paper coming soon. <laughs> d- very special kind of Daphnia, right?
1: Right, yeah.
0: Okay. John, what are, you, what are you picking?
1: Oh, I meant slow in a metabolic sense. Just wanted to clarify. Okay, go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You offended our Daphnia listeners. (laughs) Damn it. I know what John's going with. What am I going with? That weird ass bird that you picked for the mammal thing. What was that thing? Oh, I don't
2: know. What did did I pick? Shit. Wasn't. But I was going to pick a bird. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right, what bird are you picking?
2: Picking a great horned owl. Whoa, really? Okay, how come? Well, because owls are a symbol of wisdom first and foremost but also great horned owls are both goofy and majestic and Mm. i i feel like that that really embodies things that i that i believe in
0: interesting Huh.
1: have you ever listened to the sound of owls mating
0: no i don't know that i want to all right google that 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 shit that sounds like a hit record right there (laughs)
1: that's where i'm gonna leave it (laughs)
0: Have you ever seen Twin Peaks? Jeff, how about you? Have you ever seen Twin Peaks, though? No. First of all, what is wrong with you? You should go back and watch Twin Peaks. But second, (laughs) once you do that, you'll change your opinion of owls. And you will be rightfully scared of them. Um, Right now, our logo is is the raccoon, or affectionately known as the wash bear. Um, Because, you know, wash bears work hard all day and sleep all night. Or vice versa. Um but for my own lab I don't know. Like I, I feel like I would I would get roped into it being a bear is what it would be just from past associations and how I advocate strongly that bears are not something you should be afraid of, that they're our friends. Um they're just our furry forest friends and we need to, you know, make friends with them and be It's nice tombstone.
1: that Jeff's picked his epitaph for his tombstone already. Yeah. <laughs>
0: When I was a kid, my dad tried to make friends with a bear by feeding it a Reese's cup. And uh, we're both still here. That's good. PSA, don't do that. All right. Your second question. What is your favorite holiday and why? I've got a weird one. Okay.
2: My favorite holiday is Memorial Day. It's very patriotic of you. How Me come? too. Really? <laughs> Why Memorial Day?
1: John, you first.
2: So uh, my f- my family uh, has a-, a big family reunion every Memorial Day, and uh, I'm really close with a lot of my cousins. They're some of my best friends, and so it's just
0: always really fun to get together with them. Aw, that's sweet. It is. I didn't mean to make fun of it, If it sounded like I did. I do that sometimes <laughs> it's not it's not intentional. I'm just kind of an ass
1: It's not intentional. it's just his voice
0: <laughs> It's just who I am Grace why why Memorial Day?
1: Ah, uh, so Memorial Day falls right in that time during the field season where you've like been spinning up like crazy. You've probably done training of the students. everything's broke at least once you've fixed it all. And then this Memorial Day comes, and you just get to take an actual day of rest in the hecticness.
0: You know, that's a good point, because it's still early enough in the field season that you have hope that everything's going (laughs) to work out. Whereas, like, Fourth of July, you're already like, oh, God, it's not going to happen. And then, you know, by August, there's no holiday in August for whatever reason, because that's when you're sad.
1: Well, lots of Midwestern universities don't start until after Labor Day so usually that's that's also your final although I have to say Iowa State is not one of them and that sucks
0: mine is Halloween and there's no like that's my second, third, fourth and fifth favorite holiday too and I think all other holidays pale vastly in comparison to Halloween and having kids has made it doubly more so because Halloween is like the one holiday that you can own Mm. as a young person um, which I still somewhat claim to be even though I'm clearly old now that your your parents can't ruin Halloween because it's yours, and so I like that Halloween has become one. It was I always thought so it was fun when I was a teenager, like I ran like a spook trail in a haunted house and stuff for like the church and Boy Scout group that I was a part of, and I always enjoyed that. But also now, like it's something like my kids and I can dress up and we all have fun, and it's not ruined by outside family members with well intentions. For ill intentions as the case yeah, might be clearly <laughs> <clears throat> question question three what should our new stickers look like for the upcoming year do you have any thoughts or any personal style you want to go with
1: die cut I want them to be a cool shape
0: okay I want them to have owls on them <laughs> <laughs> alright die cut owls got it I got nothing. Did you have a vision? No, I don't. And if it did, it wouldn't be that, but I like that. <laughs> so, I got nothing. Question 4. What science fad or trend do you hope comes back? From in- Oh, any of sampling
1: history? in your Sunday best.
0: Yes. Oh. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: are you thinking, like, the American tradition of, like, suits and whatnot and, like, the nice dresses? Or are you thinking even before that and, like, Oxford gowns?
1: Oh, no. I, I guess I was thinking more of the American tradition. When I said it, I was imagining that picture of Virgin Judea in the boat holding up a, a, a shin, like, a trap, a zooplankton trap. Um, Hell
0: yes.
2: Yeah, Chauncey yeah. was fly. <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> John, what science tradition do you hope comes back?
2: Oh, God, I don't know. I'm
0: blanking on this one.
1: Jeff, do you have one? What Um, John think?
0: I, I would like to see the occasional, and I say occasional as in very sparingly, a little bit more of some natural history occasionally creep in to uh uh, some major journals not too much i think like frontiers does really well with like having like somebody bring in a picture you know or talk about a species that's cool that's what i'm talking about um uh, just just a little bit more of that back into ecology and i know we've had discussions on here about what's too much and what's not enough of that because natural history and science can be friends but they don't necessarily have the same goals and same means either, but I would like to see a little bit a little bit more natural history and a little bit more um, of that style writing come back mm. in a little bit so that some of these some things are a little bit easier to digest and more narratively interesting. So if not that, better writing.
1: <laughs> I was about to say, it sounds like what you really are striving for is better writing. Yeah, just yeah.
0: fucking write better. <laughs> All right, I got one.
1: Okay.
2: All
0: right. Single author papers. Mm. So that could be an exact opposite of what I just said or that could be <laughs> that could be what I just said. I like it.
2: <laughs> I think I mean I think it it would kind of go part and parcel in some cases, right? Like Yeah. Um I mean, you don't need like A team of sixteen people, half of whom are statisticians, in order to like observe what a bee does, or a bear does, for that matter, or an owl, or an owl, or an owl. I
1: don't know. I think teamwork makes the dream work.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement. You know, I mean, but there's a place. There's a place.
2: You know, I totally agree, Um, and I do a ton of team science, but I also kind of, like, maybe as a bit of, like, a reaction to all the team science that I do, have kind of um, wanted there to be something that is, like, completely unequivocally mine.
0: Mm. Does that make sense? No, no, totally. Mm -hmm. It does, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I can't speak for Jeff, but you know, as a collaborator of yours, I'm gonna to try to not be offended. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, no, you, you shouldn't be offended because I love working I together
0: you. with both of you. I'm the I'm the only one who cited our paper, John, so That's true.
2: Just That's saying.
0: True. All right, final question. Question five. Hold on, wait. Uh, actually, no. Go, move, move on. I shouldn't say
2: this. No, say it. <laughs> no, it's it's something I shouldn't say in a in a live recording that's going to be spread around the world, because it has to do with reviewing a paper.
0: <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Question five: What is the most amazing thing that you've ever done that no one was around to see?
1: What? Oh.
0: I'll i I'll start you off. I um there was somebody around to see the beginning of this, but they ran inside. We were trying to light a grill on a porch, just a wraparound porch, this old house I used to live on in Silva, North Carolina. And uh we were trying to light this grill and whatnot. And um something happened and anyway it started smoking and we it closed the lid real quick. And that wasn't the part, what well, the the funny part. The funny part ended up being that the smoke disrupted what we didn't know about was above us, which was a giant hornet's nest. Um, and they immediately, like, swarmed out. And my friend Zach, who was with me, um, Zach Laminak, who works at Elon University, you can look him up right now and give him shit about this. He ran into the house, closing the door, and in the process, locking me outside as he had <laughs> run inside with the bee's which were above the door jam on the porch, so blocking the only exit from the porch because the side of the porch was, like, a 20-foot drop, right? Because it was, like, built onto the side of the mountain. So I couldn't jump off the side. It would be like, a 20-foot fall. And so I had, like, just rolled up newspaper and I had to like, fight my way through, like, 50 hornets. Um, a lot of them didn't make it. I apologize. It was fight or flight kind of thing, right? But it totally fought off, like, 50 hornets, got out and escaped without even getting stung. It was awesome.
2: Nice. Wow.
0: They got me back because one time I was doing field work and opened up like a, when the, uh, the stations at SWAS and like you open up like those job, like the big metal toolboxes that held the field equipment. I opened up the lid and as I was opening it, I noticed I could see the Hornets inside the box, but it was just like, I made it up like, Oh no. And then they just like swarmed out and it totally stung me. And then I fell down like a 10 foot waterfall. Um, Into the water and like kind of rolled out and then like ran into like a log and got stung like fifteen times that time, so they got me back. But
1: cheapers. Yeah, I got
0: pretty fucked up stepping on a yellow jacket
2: nest when I was doing field work once. It was not a good time. Nice. This
1: is why I don't work on land.
2: (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. You don't. You don't have. You don't have stinging
0: insects on the water. Have you not seen the 1970s hit movie Piranha? <laughs> <laughs> I this know is what... also
1: why I don't work in the Amazon.
0: No, that takes place in America. What? It's a it, it's good movie. You should check it out. What All about right. you guys? What's the most awesome thing you've ever done that no one's ever seen?
2: Um, so I once bounced a tennis ball <laughs> on... The, not like the the face of a tennis racket, the edge of a tennis racket, 500 times consecutively without letting it drop. That is pretty awesome.
1: Huh.
0: That is pretty good.
1: I am just at a loss. I don't, I don't know.
0: you never done anything awesome? You've done a lot of awesome things.
1: <sighs>
0: you just always in front of people.
1: Yeah, I think people have been there. I... Mm. Mm. i'm gonna continue thinking about it
0: okay okay that's fine we can come by it, or i can give you an alternate one if you want
1: all right give me an alternate but i will also continue to think
0: sure um let me look through here i have a list of some other ones i wrote down What makes the town that you were born in special?
1: Oh, it was settled by French fur trappers. And so um, it's supposed to have this really French name, but we call it Vadness Heights. <laughs> That's what makes it special. What would be oh, the
0: it, French pronunciation? Vaudnay,
1: I, I think. Something like that. I don't know. I don't speak French. I don't <laughs> speak of <on> the French. <laughs> Like but it. Uh, um, it, it also it is a chain of lakes that is the water supply for the city of St. Paul. So that's also it. what makes it special, is it's got lots of really pretty undeveloped lakes.
0: Excellent. I love it. Well done, guys. Well done. Um, I love five questions. I'm glad we brought it back. Um, which makes a quick transition to the open poll that we did um via the twitter to decide what i need to do to earn my limnology sticker um so apparently i will not be pulling out water from the hypolimnion and dumping that over me and i will not be foraging for my own green salad i will be taking dr wilkinson's limnology final exam which i believe i will be doing in january is this correct
1: that's correct i'm a little concerned that our twitter followers don't understand the value of good video because you taking an exam is not gonna be silly.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so so we were talking about this, so filming it like a nineteen eighties montage. Do you like those like those movies where like the, the idiot has to learn how to do something very quickly? So like there's like Could a, Eye
1: of the Tiger be in the background? Yeah, it'd
0: be Eye of the Tiger and me just like Great. crushing limnology books. Are like, we just fa- gonna remake Billy Madison? Yeah, basically. But like two <laughs> two minutes long. And it just made me following Mike Pace around UVA. Mike, what is this? What is that? Just me crushing Red Bull, and then um, I have to take your test. Um, Perfect. What's this test going to look like?
1: Yeah, so this test is going to be a um, combination of short answer, graph interpretation, and longer essay. Um, no, awesome. that's good. The more you write, the more I'm able to give you points. That's what I tell my students. Even if you write the totally wrong thing, at least, at least if it's somewhat related to like water, I'll probably give you a half point. Um, okay. Yeah. So my, my favorite questions, though, on my exams are where I find popular news articles mm-hmm. that have to do with something limnological, but they don't explain the limnological concept in the article. Okay. They just sort of loosely talk about it, and you have to identify the concept and talk about how it's at play.
0: All right. Um, and so the, the catch to this that we decided on via the slight channel is that if I fail the test, which just for the record, is that a 60 or a 70? What's the scale <laughs> that Iowa State uses?
1: Oh, I, I guess it, would we consider you an environmental science or biology major? Because then you need to get a C or better. Otherwise, you can get a D and still technically pass.
0: Is this an undergrad undergraduate course?
1: It's a mixed undergrad grad. So Fine. if you're okay. a grad student, you got to get a B minus.
0: Okay, so let's make it a 70 then. How about that?
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: If I don't get a 70, I have to do the other two challenges. Deal. And that's how I get my Limnology sticker. I'm not looking forward to this. I don't know <laughs> goddamn thing about Limnology. We've been doing this podcast for three years, and if it hasn't come up, I don't know it. Hey, we talked about ooze. Oh, I know, yeah. I know the ooze.
1: I'll put a regime shift question on there for you.
0: Right. I'll stack the deck. Do is um, cool. If there's like a collab site or Blackboard or something, Canvas, whatever Iowa State uses. Um, yeah, Canvas. I can, if I can be added to that, maybe some course lecture materials. Or am I like, do I have Absolutely. to go in just like on what I know right now?
1: No, no, that's fine. Although you're going to find that I largely end up teaching my course as um, ecosystem ecology being taught through the lens of limnology, with a little extra focus on things like light. So, you know, I think not, you're well. You're more prepared than you think.
0: Okay, I'm not really sure if I want to commit to putting my the test and my answers onto the internet yet, but I probably will because it. I'm I'm not a limnologist. It doesn't matter. But then you may not want your <laughs> questions on the internet, so we'll figure it out. But look All forward right. to that in January, and uh, maybe I'll have a sweet limnology sticker. podcast ass yes. Oh god, I feel like the internet sense that was the one that I didn't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Again,
1: though, I'm concerned about why people thought that would make a good video.
0: I don't. People hate me. That's what it is. All it yeah. Is. <laughs> all right. So do you guys want to do favorite papers of the year or do you want to do low lights?
1: Let's do some favorite papers.
0: Let's start positive. Right.
2: Yeah. John
0: John, you want to kick us off? All
2: right. Well, so I have two that I want to pick. Um, so let, let me do one and then we'll go around the circle and come back. Is that cool? Sure. All right. So my first pick is uh, Jess Hobson and Jeremy Fox. Uh, Occasional long-distance dispersal increases spatial synchrony of population cycles, and this is in uh, Journal of Animal Ecology.
1: Why is it your favorite?
2: Um. So. Well, so it's it's an it's on a topic that I that I work a lot on spatial synchrony, and um, there are just not many great examples of you know really interesting um controlled experimental work in in spatial synchrony um there aren't that many great uh laboratory systems um this is something you you know couldn't really manipulate very well in um in field settings um and so I just really like that it does a nice job of using a controlled experiment to um address a question that there was, you know, some conflicting um theoretical uh predictions on in the literature. Nice. Yeah.
1: All right, so mine is a paper by Patrick Kelly that came out this summer with some other co-authors, Maria Gonzalez, William Renwick, and Mike Vanny, Um, And it was in Limnology and Oceanography, it's increased light availability and nutrient cycling by fish provide resilience against reversing eutrophication in an agriculturally impacted reservoir. Um, And I think that long title probably sums up why I love this paper. Uh, It's long-term data combined with um, thinking about eutrophication, agriculturally impacted reservoirs, ecosystem resilience, um, consumer mediated nutrient cycling, and drivers of change in phytoplankton biomass. These things are all my jam right now. Um, so that's, I, I, and I think it was in particular a very compelling analysis of a 21 year data set. Um, so, yay, long term data. Woo! Good paper. Jeff?
0: Um, I lost one. Hold on, uh, let me find it. <laughs> so i had a i had a cup i had a really hard time narrowing this down like a lot um and i was trying because i was realizing that i was doing recency bias and that i wanted to nominate things that were like from like this week or like last week because they were the ones fresh on my mind um so i narrowed it down to two and a half um but i think i'm gonna go with my main pick being uh Istam paper in Biogeosciences. Um and this is uh, she's over at the Boston group. So I think like Andrew Richardson and, and Mike Dietz and some other folks are on this paper, some really, really good people. And it's the linking big models to big data efficient ecosystem model calibrations or Bayesian model emulation. And so in this paper, like kind of walks through like how the PCON model kind of works and how some of the Bayesian stuff goes into that. And one of the things I like about this is that um, you know, her her visuals that she uses and how it breaks down how this model works and ingest data, which is really helpful because the whole PECAN framework is meant to move predictive forecast models to a realm where people like me who are not modelers can use them, uh, you know, more effectively and more efficiently. And so she does an exceptional job of just breaking down how this thing works and then how like the Bayesian framework allows you to work within the model and it understands the uncertainty and how it kind of works and parses data. So I think it's a really, really, um, strong paper and definitely one of my favorite from the year. John, what's your pick too?
2: So my other pick, uh, is an effects paper. One of the other main things that I work on um, this is uh, Brian Lurch, Ben Nolting, and, and Karen Abbott's paper, uh, also in Journal of Animal Ecology, uh, called "Why Are Demographic Ali Effects So Rarely Seen in Social Animals?" Uh, so this is a, a, a theory paper that looks at how uh, social groups and the the you know the processes that govern. Um, the formation and maintenance of social groups can actually, uh, sort of buffer, um, populations against demographically effects, uh, you know, these being depressed population growth rates at low density, um, uh, because a lot of the, um, sort of, you know, things like, you know, mating failure and, um, uh, reductions in, um, predator defense or foraging efficiency at low density, um, you know, kind of, uh, are, well, are, are kind of buffered by, um, the formation of, of social groups. Um, so, you know, this is a, a really cool paper because it, um, it sort of helps to answer a um a bit of a paradox that uh we've seen in the in the um in empirical data um where you know these types of organisms that we think should uh display lee effects you know where you know sort of social aggregations would be really beneficial um you know that hasn't really come true it hasn't really translated to um to To measures of uh, population growth rates at low density and the ability to detect the effects, so um, I think this is uh, you know another one that adds a lot um, to the literature and um, was was nice, nicely written and
0: elegantly done.
1: Sounds like it. I want to go check that out.
0: Yeah, it's a cool I like paper. Um, I am just going to throw my other two out there because I I like both of them. One I'm jealous because I wish I had written it. Uh, from a couple of weeks ago, Jessica Corman, who I don't know, wrote, um, leads a paper. She's a that was in... an ecologist. Is she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, makes, it makes sense, though. Um, uh, ecosystems paper, Foundations and Frontiers of Ecosystem Science, uh, Science Legacy of a Classic Paper, and talking about Odom, 1969. I love this stuff, as you guys know. That's why I like when we do the classic paper. So I, this is a great article. Yeah, Nancy Grimm's on this. Jorge Ramos is on this. There's a bunch of cool people on this. There's Vado Sala's on it. Um, yeah, they just write about kind of the legacy of this paper, and I just love that when we go back and revisit this. And the other one I gotta mention, one, because my postdoc advisor's on it, but also this is a badass paper, is a paper from New Phytologist earlier this year called "Forest Aging Disturbance in the Carbon Cycle, and so it's Peter Curtis and Chris Goff, and it's four pages long, it has brilliant graphics from an undergraduate who I work with, who I love dearly, and they fucking nail everything that we've learned about how forests age in the last 400 years in four pages and it's brilliantly written um nice. so i guess i gotta throw that one out there too and yeah check out katherine's graphics they're amazing so those are my three
1: so my my second one is stoichiometry of carbon nitrogen and phosphorus through the freshwater pipe which was published in the knowledge and oceanography letters as a part of this really awesome special issue on carbon cycling and in inland waters that came out recently. You should check it out. It's open access. It's uh was written by Roxanne Marger, Stuart Jones, and Jim Cotner, and I love this paper for a lot of reasons. Uh, conceptually, I just think it's great. There's been uh, a large focus in inland waters on carbon cycling, sort of carbon centric limnology, um, which I enjoy and have contributed to. But uh, we should think about the other nutrients too. And so this is a really great paper that ties those together through the freshwater pipe. Um, but in addition to that, it has the one of the best author contribution statements I've ever seen. Um, so it says all authors contributed equally to this effort. Um, and divergent opinions between Roxanne Maranger and Jim Cottner were successfully mediated by Stuart Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just awesome. And I don't want to write a great author contribution statement like that in 2019. That's my goal.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I think the burrito place one time, but that's about, that's better than that. <laughs> All right, folks, stealing an idea from NPR's The Indicator. We're going to do low yes. lights, low lights of the year. This was Grace's idea and I love it. Uh Grace, do you want to lead us off on this one since John did the last one?
1: Yeah. So, um I guess just a little bit more, I'm like low lights of the air, somewhat self-explanatory, but instead of thinking about highlights, these are all the things that went terribly wrong that are so like, surprising or like, oh my gosh, I can't freaking believe it. This is the worst. <laughs> um, and so for me, that's definitely the fact that we have yet another IPCC report. We have another climate change report in the United States, and yet we still have no action in the U.S., Um, And we're not moving towards that. And at this point, you know, cities are burning. Cities are underwater. People are being hurt. And we can definitely say that this attribution science, right? Is it climate change? Is it something else? It feels like the climate scientists are getting a lot better at saying, nope, it's climate change. Um, And so it's just really frustrating. And it's like, oh, my God, when do we get to act? So um, I guess we got to do some acting this year. Uh, at larger at the scale of our personal lives. Hopefully you voted in the midterms if you're in the United States and eligible to vote. Um, but yeah, just fuck that. <laughs> That's where I'm at with that.
0: Amen. Yeah. How about you, Jeff? Oh, mine was, um, a, a series of connected low lights where it was just this amazing string of nature, uh, commentary pieces as well as science there were a couple from science that were questionable there was you know the one um well there were several just blaming women basically for all the right. problems that they have i couldn't i could i realized i couldn't pinpoint that to a single article because it was multiple right um and then my favorite uh was the one telling people if you want to increase your citation count you need to move around more because Ugh. there's a correlation between, you know, people who move for different jobs and citations and papers written. What's well, like, yeah, of course, if you absolutely sacrifice everything and just move constantly for whatever job and do whatever you can, then yeah, you're going to write more papers. It totally misses the point and goes against and everything it's... we're trying to talk about.
1: Yeah. And it definitely sold itself as being like you'll have a more impactful career, and their only a measure of impact was citations. Right. So fuck that. That's not. That's not the only measure of your impact. Sorry. Apparently, I'm a little cursy tonight. I'm gonna no, block
0: okay. that No, it's okay. Just just f bombs. Gonna... Just f bombs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can write that in your podcast resolutions later. I I was thinking, I was <laughs> realized the the last episode I had like I had said fuck like six times before we were five minutes into the podcast. I was like, <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have to have a mature tag. No, I I rip. Re- I really RCC's particularly coming for you. I know right <laughs> iTunes don't care uh, no I, I <laughs> really nice. particularly hate that one because there's people spreading like information on Twitter now like see you should go move around or whatever for your postdoc or for your PhD or for all this like no that's not the point the, they totally missed the point in the commentary or the people writing the commentary totally missed the point anyway that's my low light it frustrates me um, I'm sure I don't even know how many banter sessions we've had just this year that have featured Nature articles, but I know it's more than five. Oh yeah, <laughs> John. Uh, whoever's in
1: charge of editorial commentary at Nature needs to sit down.
0: Yeah, just just stop. Yeah. Stop. You know, or
2: or or at least if you're gonna put something out there, you know, give other people an
0: opportunity to present a counterpoint.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, they they do that sometimes, but sometimes the counterpoint's dumb too.
1: Often, I feel like they allow the counterpoint after there's been so much backlash to the original article. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Right, right, It's not
1: simultaneous. It's not saying, wow, this is a strong opinion. Maybe we should go see if someone has a strong opposite opinion. Oh. And invite, right?
0: I totally forgot about the one earlier in the year where, like, they let, like, somebody just write basically a hit piece on that one poor student who does social oh, yeah.
1: media. yeah. Science the- Sam. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah.
0: Okay. John, what do you got? I'm already pissed again. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so,
2: so I've kind of been, root loosely following this, you know, s- series of news stories about, um, you know, a bunch of retractions and other forms of discipline for scientific misconduct on papers and grant applications. Um, the the one that's probably most widespread or widely known as, um, Brian Wansink, the, uh, sort of food psychology researcher at Cornell who, Mm. um, you know, did a whole bunch of, uh, kind of P hacking and other, um, kind of questionable statistical practices to try and, um, actually well not just to try to you know produce um provocative results um that uh appeared statistically robust but in actuality um were were not um and so that i mean that that's a big low light but i had a couple other kind of follow-on thoughts that i wanted to see what what your guys um opinions were on you know, so so one thing is that it, it seems like they're, you know, big names or rising stars are often the people that are implicated in, in these sorts of activities. Um, and it just kind of got me thinking about, you know, whether these are just folks that um, due to their stature, draw more um, scrutiny or make it more no- newsworthy than um, sort of taking down a, uh, you know, a lesser a scientist of lesser renown, um, you know, or is this really a symptom of the system where, you know, folks are really incentivized to um, push the boundaries on what is, um, you know, ethical and and acceptable in order to, um, to make a name for themselves? The latter, definitely.
1: Yeah, I think it could be a mix of both, but my gut says probably a little bit more the latter. Is that
2: what you're thinking as well? Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't immediately... I I, I wouldn't have stated it with as much confidence uh, as, as either of you seem to. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm an optimist. Um <laughs> It surprised me to know Jeff that Jeff finds that
1: <laughs> hilarious.
0: I don't to be fair, I don't think any of us are optimists. We're doing a low this, this whole segment's called low lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah fair.
1: Um, I'm freaking sunshine. Shut up, Jeff.
0: <laughs> You're the most sunshine Grayson. I'm saying a lot. I have RBF, I have RBF real bad, so people wouldn't even know if I were an optimist in the first place. So, <laughs>
2: um, you know, one of the things that that I do feel a little bit optimistic about, though, is that you know it doesn't seem like ecology has faced a major scientific fraud scandal. At least one that comes to my mind is that is that true?
0: You know, I don't know if it is, but I bet if you look at, like, some of the pre-registration data, there's there's cause for concern. I don't think it's intentional. Fraud is not the word that I would use. I think there's some unintentional negligence that's occurring. Um, and maybe we should dive into that. Into pre-registration stuff a little bit more in a future episode, but if you look at you know the what was that paper that came out? I guess it was this year talking about like if you look at likelihood of finding significant effects, you know, in pre-registered studies versus just regular studies, it's wildly different. Like if you actually have to set out and test the thing that you meant to test without manipulating anything, you get a much different result than you do otherwise. And so I think. Um, we have problems. And I think they vary from subfield to subfield. I have concerns, but I wouldn't call them fraudulent. I don't, maybe I'm a little, maybe I'm being too optimistic, but I do think that we have a problem as far as like the rigor, you know, the rigor of some things.
1: Sure. Oh, well, well, totally that's sort good like that sort of dovetails with the reproducibility issue right now in science as well.
0: Jeff, was that um was that article specific to ecology or was that a... It was not actually. I believe it was just more broad. It it may have been one of the OSF Brian Nosek type things or at least mm-hmm. in that vein if it wasn't him.
2: Yeah. No. Actually, if if you want to look up some other papers, um there've been one of them I think is still a preprint right now. Um But there's a a paper that he did, uh, or a group including him did, um, about that I was really interested in where they, you know, gave the same data set and research question to like 20 or so different, um, different groups and they, they all did it a different way, uh, and they, you know, the, many of them converged on similar answers, but there was um, there was enough divergence in results um, to, you know, to demonstrate that, you know, yeah, the way that you choose to analyze this um, and, and none of them were, you know, really objectively better or worse than, you know, than another. Or at least not obviously so. Um, you can get really different answers to the same question.
0: Yeah, I think I think that may be something we would, if if you guys are cool with it, that I would be interested in following up on a little bit more and going down that rabbit hole. Because I think it's also if you could look at, you know, you know Ben Bon Lamberty and I have talked about this before. Like just pulling some of the stats from just abstracts. If you were to do like a literature search, you could basically use something similar to like forensic accounting. And just figure out the likelihood of that happening, um, and just see. I mean, you don't want to call anyone out. I think. I think generally, maybe I'm just more optimistic about our field. <laughs> like, I feel like ecologists are pretty good people. Um, that I don't think anyone's intentionally, or if I feel like if that's happening, it's very low, but. You know, are there things that we could probably improve on? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's stuff that I review papers on that, you know, like, I'll point out that, like, other reviewers won't pick up on. Or even, like, in my own paper, like, I know I've re- reported, um, you know, uh, like, relationships that will be nonlinear and will have R-square values. Um, which doesn't mean anything. Like, that, that's useless. That's a total mathematical mumbo-jumbo. That doesn't mean anything if it's outside of a linear model. But it's in the paper because, you know, co-authors wanted to keep it. That doesn't mean anything. So,
1: Yeah, I agree with you. It sounds like we have a lot of fodder for a a full episode on that. Lots of things to talk about there. Yeah. Lots of gray
0: areas. I'm going to go grab Uh, another beer while you guys do this.
1: (laughs) Well, I wanted to take a step back to actually um, talk about, John, you mentioned in terms of low light, sort of another low light um, of this year in terms of misconduct has also been um, the large Me Too STEM movement. Um, And just all of the extremely heartbreaking stories and the women coming forward, also the number of times women are now being targeted and others in terms of harassment, not just women, um, for standing up to their harassers and how much, how frickin' much their harassers are protected over these women. And fuck that. Um, And, you know, NSF finally stood up and said, okay, well, if you've actually been charged, then, you know, well, you should, re- you know, that's going to get reported and we're going to do something about that. And the NIH just wants to continue to do more and more frickin' climate studies. And, yeah, I don't know, just cards on the table, like, get your shit together, NIH. Yeah, that- <laughs> <laughs>
2: that-
0: thanks for mentioning
2: hey. that, Grace, because that- that's a really important deal that, um... yeah,
1: yeah, that's also just been another huge low light, and and will continue to be one.
0: I'm glad I got another beer for this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Yeah, there was we there. don't have
1: to dwell on it. We're having a nice year end wrap up, but I think we could we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it for the year end wrap up. So.
0: Also, this is just me speaking to guys in general. Just get your shit together.
1: Well, Please. yeah, that too. Come on, man. <laughs> but if you can't get out, get out. Yeah, of the way. if you can't
0: get the <laughs> fuck out of the way.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, well, so <laughs> on the tail of those low lights, though, what are some of our resolutions for the new year?
0: um guys i i I wanna resolve to get these episodes mixed a lot faster, especially because I was mixing the last episode, and when it put out, I was listening to it today, just checking back levels and stuff, and the first thing that I think I say in the episode is, yeah, I'm gonna put these up a lot sooner. You know, I was like, "Oh God, it took like eight weeks." So I'm going to resolve to get stuff up a lot sooner. In fact, I'm going to put a date on it and say within a week of recording. So hopefully, that'll 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 happen.
1: Ah, Jeff, I'm like stressed out for you. Okay, (laughs) that's bold. (laughs) You do so much for this show and everything. Well, okay, so
0: we're gonna drop because the. arbitrary deadlines work well for me, like not real ones, but like arbitrary ones that I set on myself. And so like the fact that I really want to get 50 episodes out before 2019 means that we're going to drop three episodes. There's actually, there's, there's one that's recorded. It's not mixed all the way yet. And there's one that's mixed and actually in the server, but not on the website. We're going to drop all three of these on the last day of the year. So all three, Um. So episodes 48, 49, and 50. So 48 is an interview with Kyle. If you're listening to this episode, you've already heard these two because I know (laughs) you people have been with this. But it's an excellent interview I did at AGU with Kyla Dahlen, who's a geographer from Michigan State. It is really good. Episode 49 is an interview with uh, UVA alum and climatologist Ben Cook from Goddard Space Center, uh, which is also very, very good. And we ramble on about New Jersey and Long Island for quite a while. And then this episode, which you're listening to now, is again one of the greatest episodes we've ever recorded. Probably <laughs> one of the greatest recordings by humans, I think. Period. It's true.
1: We are like a fine wine. We get
0: better. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my. The more my, we age. That's my yep. resolution. That, and I want to make new stickers and um, add more interviews and to the stuff that we die cut work. owls. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, die cut owls. Die cut owls. <laughs>
0: you resolved that. I'm gonna look up how fucking much a die cut owl costs.
1: Oh, go on you printing. There, it's a lot. I'll hand cut them.
0: <laughs> oh boy.
1: That's what I had to do with our lab stickers. We're gonna have way b- too expensive to get them die cut.
0: Bespoke, <laughs> cut print. <laughs> what if we just buy it? What if we just buy owl stickers, and I take a sharpie and I just write major revisions <laughs> on them?
2: <laughs> yes. I hope you have better handwriting than I do. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. What do you got? who's
2: next
1: all right So what's your resolution
2: so i'm going to tweet from the major revisions account you guys you guys who listen know my aversion to social media like one time well all right so i i wrote once grace commented (laughs) this should read many times so let me i'll just say i will tweet and if I learn how to tweet successfully, then you may be graced with the pleasure of f- future tweets. Do you know I how social media right works, now. right? Uh, not really, uh, no. Well,
1: all three of us are going to be together in mid-January, so I'm just telling you now, expect a Hello World tweet from the Major Revisions <laughs> account at that time. From John. <laughs> Spelling oh, doesn't no. count. Um, What's my podcast resolution? So my podcast resolution is going to be to get some interviews. Very excited about that. And then also in addition to that, I'm teaching a course this coming semester in science communication. And um, my students, as their final, are going to produce an episode of major revisions.
0: Oh, hell yes. So,
1: yeah. I guess that means I mostly just need to hopefully guide them well. But beyond that... (laughs) thanks future class
0: so i i did have an e- experimental episode that failed miserably that didn't make it this year um and i don't know if i'll try to revisit it or not but i gave up on it halfway through where i tried to do a document like a documentary version of a uh, episode uh, doing field work like in northern michigan and i tried to pattern this after a reply all episode where they just like took their recorders and wandered around new york for like a day but then i realized like halfway through making this episode that that was my least favorite episode of reply all and i wasn't really sure why i was trying to recreate that so i gave up <laughs> on it but i have a lot of recordings of me just out in the woods like <sighs> all right it's 7:30 in the morning <laughs> it's really fucking cold out here <laughs> i didn't know why there was no value add but having students with actual insight would be amazing and i'm really excited about that
1: yes i'm excited to harvest it
0: that'd be cool um and there may be a big announcement at least in our world in the future but we don't have confirmation about this yet so be on the lookout around the big podcast event for 2019
1: that was a drum roll Sorry, you're going to have to mix that drum roll I just did with my hands.
0: It's okay. It's okay.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, we hope that you have had just as exciting of a 2018 as we have. Personally, I'm excited to see 2018 go. Welcome to 2019. Uh, We'll catch you in the new year. Of course, you can always catch us on many different platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, um, Stitcher, And you can find us on our website, MajorRevisionsPodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at Major underscore Revisions, as well as you can email us with an email that I'm currently forgetting. Jeff, John?
0: MajorRevisionsShow at gmail.com.
1: There it is. We love hearing from you. Um, As well as if you want one of those really cool die-cut owl stickers, find us at a conference in the near future, all right? Um, Or just shoot us a message. We'll probably mail you one.
0: What do I even google to find this? I die cut owls not working. Do I need like a do we need to use like a cookie cutter that looks like an owl and we just press it really hard?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, more Google.
0: Soon. Google. Die cut owl. How do I cut an owl? Thanks shape for listening out? and we'll see you
1: in the new year. Good night.
0: <laughs> an owl shape out of a sticker. Man, Google. Ugh. Been it, been it long. Long.